Meet Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to Deer IY this fall. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushing and Dustum podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hunt Ready, an American-made vest brought to you to upland hunters who are looking to go all over, have quality vests, uh, very versatile and very customizable to you and make it fit the way you want it so that way you can always be hunt ready. Uh, go check them out. <clears throat> so tonight we have an awesome vest on, or not an awesome vest, an awesome guest. Jeez, already getting my words mixed up, but uh, an awesome guest on from out in Oregon. Uh, his name's Eric. He's also known as the <clears throat> my, all right, Hardwired, Hardwired Outdoors. outdoors. Uh, so go check him out on Instagram. We're happy to have him on. Uh, we'll let him give an introduction to himself so you can take it from here, Eric. Well, hello. Thanks for having me on. I am uh, Eric Thompson, Hardwired Outdoors. And as you already pointed out, I'm out here in Oregon. Um I'm in the wet side of Oregon that everybody thinks of. I was over on the dry side of Oregon for a couple years, well, for a few years, uh, moved back over to the wet side for a little bit, and then we're going to be getting out of here, hopefully by the end of summer, get back to easier hunting. I was just going to ask that, better hunting on the other side? Oh, yeah, very cl- much closer to all the hunting. Uh strange well not strange but uh one of my little anecdotes of where i live now is the willamette valley that was the introduction point for pheasants being brought into the u.s it used to be a destination hunt where people would come out here like they were going to nebraska or iowa somewhere where they just planned to hunt pheasants but our crops changed habitat changed and we grow mostly filberts and grass seed now and have no pheasants oh man is there any uh, bird population in the wet part of Oregon? We have a lot of grouse, which a lot of people don't know, and a lot of rough grouse. And we nice. have uh, healthy populations of California quail and mountain quail. That's awesome. What uh, what do you chase when out in Oregon? I've, we've never been out there, never hunted out there. What's your favorite birds to go after? Uh, the marathon bird. We hunt chuckers for the most part of the season. So we spend a lot of time in uh, vertically challenged terrain, huffing and puffing. Do you run the, uh, do you run the Garmin system? Of course I do. Yeah. yeah. I (laughs) just, I just got got that today or yesterday. Uh, I was actually gifted the, uh, the Garmin watch. So I have a wedding coming up in, uh, uh, May 13th should probably remember that date a little sooner but uh the Nick and uh two other guys that we've met through uh the podcast and just uh, other upland stuff were nice enough to uh gift me the watch I purchased the uh 200i and the 
collars with them. So I'm just getting used to it. But uh, I think the cool thing about it is like the heart rate and you can check like your elevation climbing and all that on it. What if Tyler's pretty quiet, so it'll be good. So I can look at it to see if he's still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure my heart's still beating. But um, no, that's awesome. Have you, have you had good luck with the Garmin system? What do you have? Uh, well, my brother just picked up the 200, so we're going to get together so I can help him figure his out, but I run the 550 pro okay. 550 plus, not the pro. Sorry. What's, what's the difference? The pro plus. Uh, the 200 the main, has the main difference. Yeah. 200 has all the bells and whistles. You can track your dog. You can do all those things. Great things. Uh, if I had a 200, I could link to my brother's collars and link to my brother's 200 and know where he's at. It, even comes with uh in reach on it if i'm not wrong i have the 550 pro plus which is just buttons and toggles it works really good for training i love it and it's uh it's very simple so i started out with it and the watch i did not just start out with the system i started looking at it and everybody was like get the watch get the watch so course i got the watch and it was no going back all my buddies now have the watch everybody i hunt with because they're like when we're cruising around together and my dog's on point and i'm looking at my watch and they're trying to fumble with their transmitter and they're like oh that's so nice so after each hunt everybody seems to go and get a watch if we bring somebody new into it because they're all we're all running garments at this point in time and i just I love the system. I have not had one problem with it other than a little update issue, but that was easy to fix. Came home, updated it. It was great. Nice. What, uh, what got you into hunting, Eric? What's, uh, I was born, I was born into it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So your dad, obviously uncles, everybody, that's kind of their thing. Funny story. My dad was just kind of like the camp cook. He was not big into hunting. But my uncles hunted and my older brothers hunted. I'm the baby by like 15 years. Closest brothers, eight years older than me. So uh, they all hunted. So my dad would just go and be the camp cook. He killed four deer in his entire hunting career while it's, he was alive. Funny you say that he's a camp cook. We actually have a camp mom and it's Tyler. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow they, nobody's camped with me before and they call me the camp mom. They're like, oh, you're the one that's going to take care of everybody. And I'm like, no, you guys are going to cook for yourself. Yeah, he owes, he owes us now. He owes us now. I got that nice garment. You take you're care grown, of us. You're grown men. You can take care of yourself. <laughs> that's hilarious. No. Uh, so my first hunting experiences, I got trailed along very young when there wasn't like clothing made for little kids to hunt with. So they would bundle me up and take me to the duck blind and cover me in coats. And I would count the ducks as they brought them back in. So I was, I was around five years old when I started going hunting. Yeah, and duck hunting awesome. out in Oregon is, seems like it'd be good if it's so wet, right? It, Maybe it had, it had its heyday. Yeah. And it's, it's good now. I let, don't get me wrong. It's good. Uh, had its heyday, you know, when duck numbers really plummeted, they cut the, uh limits and a lot of people stop hunting out here and then they brought in steel and a lot more people stopped hunting for a while and that was when i was like in high school so 
me and my buddies would just hunt all the time. We had yeah. access to private ponds. We had all the great stuff nice. that you don't have access to when you're in high school because you don't have money to lease property. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it was a good run there for a while. And then when duck hunting started to pick back up and they uh, relaxed limits, we lost all that access because other people had money to lease the ponds out from under us. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. What uh, what kind of ducks go through Oregon? What those are mallards and canvas oh, mallards, or... teals, pintails, canvas backs. You can pick up just about a little bit of everything depending on where you hunt, from the valley to the coast. Uh, if the wind's right, you could even get a harlequin uh, as far inland. No idea what that is. Oh, you have you have to look gonna have up. to look that They're up. They're beautiful. What's it called? A harlequin? Harlequin duck. Yeah. How you spell that? Do you know? <laughs> like it sounds. <laughs> J-R. Harlequin. <laughs> yeah. I was told there would be no hard questions. Oh, this. Dude, that's it. That's it. A plus X equals Y. Yeah. Oh man, that that duck is fantastic. Wow, yeah, that's beautiful. You can pick them up at the confluence of the Columbia River. And the Pacific oh, Ocean man. sometimes. You, oh, that'd you be ever, sweet. You'd have to mount one of those babies. Oh, nice. I would definitely if I got one of those. Yeah. Man. I, uh, I ended up shooting my first uh, sharp tail this year. In South Very Dakota. nice. I'm getting, that, I'm getting that mounted. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. You know, it's like, oh, will we see one again? I don't know. So I'm going to mount it. And I think <laughs> I only hit it with actually one BB. There was no blood on it. So maybe oh. they scared it. <laughs> I want to just hit it. Hard to tag. There's a concussion. It literally like flew to the ground. I was like, oh man, it'll be. And I don't know much about Sharpdale. I was like, oh, it's going to be running. I was just laying there dead. Did. Like literally landed and then just died. So uh, I don't know. Awesome. Nice. So obviously your first introduction to hunting was waterfowl. Uh, did you guys hunt with dogs when you were younger? We did. And actually, I, at that same time period, there was still wild pheasants in the valley. Nice. So we would go out and hunt wild pheasants. And there, uh, I remember being with my brothers on a refuge that you can no longer hunt here in the valley. And hunting standing corn and having pheasants blowing out of the standing corn. And I'm just a little kid walking there behind them. And it was great. And we always had labs. Everybody in my family had labs. That's why I don't have labs. <laughs> what drew you to, so now you're hunting uh, wire hairs. Yep. And uh, so what drew you, besides your family all having labs, what drew you away from uh, a lab to the wire hairs and uh, pointing dogs? Uh I, I honestly just wanted something different. I did have a uh, golden retriever when I was in high school that I hunted yeah. ducks with. She was great. And after that, I didn't have a dog for a while. Got a German short hair that was a once in a lifetime dog. Nice. There was nothing this dog could do. Accidentally bought him out of field trial lines. Had no clue what I was buying. No experience whatsoever. And he was just he was amazing he was a That's big awesome. running great dog and when he passed away i started looking at other breeds and came across griffs and absolutely loved them my oldest one is i still have my first griff and this hex is my third griff uh i have my first one i got out of idaho well 
both of these come out. Both my dogs that I got as puppies come out of Idaho. And then I have one that uh, came from the pound. Somebody got this dog and then took it to the pound. And I picked it up and I was like, hey, I'm going to do a little training, kind of introduce her slowly to it. This is the hardest griff I've ever known. I got this dog in September and October. She was retrieving geese. She's only 45 pounds and just an absolute dynamo out of the blind. She loved hunting out of a blind. That's cool. What what do you like so well about the the griffins? What draws you to them? Uh, Well, my dogs are... I really enjoy hunting my dogs and I love to see them have that drive and energy and want to get out there and just kill it every time. But when we get back home, I like my dogs to sit down with me and drink a bourbon and just relax. Well, what's your favorite bourbon of choice? I guess that's around that. Oh, wow. I don't think I have a hard stop on one of choice. Everybody just kind of bring, everybody brings a different one each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this last trip we had, uh, can't remember the name of it, but it's out of Scotland and it's a peat. Uh, you got me. It, it was the first time I drank it. I'm like, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> and, and <laughs> by the time we finished the hunt, we had drank the whole bottle and we still couldn't remember if we liked it <laughs> or couldn't decide if we liked it. And then one of the guys kept trying to decide what it was. It kind of had an iodine taste. And one of the guys looked up a review online and he was like, that's it. And I'm like, what? And he's like, this is the best review of this uh, bourbon. And they're like, it tastes like a burning hospital. I'm like, yeah, it's smoky. It's got iodine. Yeah, burning oh, hospital. I can get that. Uh, and every time it, I go to the store, I look like at it. Highland Park or I honestly Talisker. I, I cannot remember what it is. <laughs> just looked up a burning hospital. And that would taste interesting. <laughs> it was a very interesting taste. Oh, that's crazy. So when you were when you were growing up, you said that you you guys did have a pheasant population then. Yeah. Um, what have you, uh, since getting older, have you transitioned more to mainly upland hunting or what drew you or how do you like transition into more of upland hunting than waterfowl? Um, in yes, as I've gotten older, so I've kind of come full circle waterfowl bird hunting was what I could first do. And then I got in the, uh, up or big game hunting, bow hunted, rifle hunted back to bow, back to rifle, and then started getting more into birds. And when I got my griff here about 10 years ago, I was like, ah, I'm really, really wanting to get back into bird hunting. And it just kind of slowly transitioned into yeah, I'm going to do more bird hunting. If you guys want to come with me, great. I'll give you one big game hunt a year. And then I'm yeah. out because I can't waste my time big yeah. game hunting when I can be bird hunting. I agree with that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I used, yep, me too. I was just going to say the same thing and kind of gave that up. It's, it's hard. It's hard when you only get, you know, 10 weeks of pheasant season here in Iowa and to waste a weekend or two weekends on chasing deer, but. I yeah. do like the taste of them. I miss that part of it. I um, do too. They're, they're good to eat. So you you also said, Eric, that you're going on <clears throat> trips. Do you normally go out of Oregon? Do you stay there? Where, where are your trips at for your birds? Most of my time is spent in Oregon. 
Oregon, Idaho, because we're fairly close. Uh, I do at least one Montana trip a year. I'll probably do two this year. And I've been to Oklahoma. I'm looking to try to get to North South Dakota this year. We are going to North Dakota this year. And we've been to South Dakota the last six years-ish, five, six years. So our plan is to actually move. And if we can get that done before season really gets started, then that would transition me to be in Montana and a lot closer to get to other places to hunt birds. So right out of Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota. Oh man, I'm trying Montana. to tell my wife that I need to move so I can be closer <laughs> to birds too. But <laughs> that doesn't Montana work. would be that would be an incredible state to live in. I think just man the the wildlife there and well, the owner of Gundog Outdoors, Alex Langbell. I don't know if you know who he is. He retired from living out. I think he lived out in California and has moved to Montana and. Man, the piece of property that he has is just, he has ducks coming in, geese coming in, he has pheasants, he has deer, he has just everything. Just be an awesome state. And like you said, it's kind of close to all the other really good states to hunt in, you know? So quick hop and cross the state lines and bam, you're in some good, good country. But what a... So your your favorite things to chase is chucker. Yes, you're the the devil birds to chase. What uh, what's what's what do you find tough about them? But what do you also find rewarding about hunting them? Oh, I I think it's just the challenge of the country. Uh, took some new hunters out this year, and it was their really first time hunting for most of them, anything. And it was so fun to watch them be like, you do this for fun every weekend. And I'm like, yeah. And we did not hit a big hill. It was not bad at all. It was what's an easy your, transition. What's your normal elevation changes in a day? Do you know? Uh, well, in all honesty, if you can find them at the top, hunt them at the top. Because you can do 500 to a thousand feet of elevation change in as fast as you want to do it. Uh, so if you, like I said, hunt them at the top, if you can find them there, I love to run the edge, run the rim rock, but sometimes the birds just aren't there. Our last two hunts of the season, birds just were not there. We found them halfway down. So that means how, f- how far do you let your dogs get out? Uh, hex generally ranges about three, 400 yards out. Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meet Your Maker has you covered. Mead makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Mead only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Mead also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry. And Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount. And get ready to deer IY this fall. That's great. 
As long as the wind's not too high, that's not too bad. I'll pull her in if the wind, like we hunted a day where we had 45 mile an hour winds. Oh. And I pulled her in on that because the birds are just really super spooky and will start running. And she'll want to keep them in sight. So yeah. it'll just be a push. Huh. Do you, uh, what, what boots are you running? Obviously, you're walking mountain ridges, mountain lines. I just, the nastiest terrain basically out there known to Birdman. And uh, what boots are you running? You run mountain climbing boots. I run crispies. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Steel shanks and oh wow. Fastened up nice and tight. You because you spend a lot of time on side hill. You don't want that wear. You don't want it to start working that toe. That'll what, ruin a hunt. You have the metal what is the, the metal what? Did they have metal say? shanks in them. You put okay. like spikes. Basically. No, not spikes. The shank of the boot oh, keeps I it gotcha. from bending. Oh, so okay. When you're I doing gotcha. that, you don't want any flexibility in your boot. Oh, okay. Having a nice stiff shank to keep that foot from bending. And my girlfriend will go with me sometimes. She went with me one day, one year, last season, and she takes the picture. So if you ever see my picture quality go up, it's because she went with me, and it's way better. But uh, if you ever we're see going it, to- same with us, same with us. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler's being camp mom. He always takes pictures. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> no uh, my pictures are like half of my head <laughs> but uh we we're going across it had snowed probably four inches and we we're moving across it and hex goes on point so i have to step it up and i'm chucking across this terrain that's nothing but rocks and falls and she's like how do you move like that i keep falling i'm like if you're not falling you're not chucker hunting yeah. are those so are those metal shanks are they built into the boot or is yeah. it a Okay, so you have to buy them in the boot. Yeah, so you, they crispies. They're they're a pricey boot, if I remember correctly. Right? They are. <laughs> Do they last yeah. a long time though? I have on a pair right now that this is the third year. I probably put over three thousand miles on them just hunting and Holy walking. Smokes. And they're still my work in the yard shoes because they just feel really good still. Yeah. And they I've worn all the thread off of them, and there's no holes. Yeah. Do you know what They're model of crispy boot. they are? Uh, the ones I'm wearing right now are the Thors. Okay. The ones that I hunted in this year, I bought a new pair of guide. Is there <laughs> a big difference or the guide? Similar? So I love the Thors. They were super lightweight and easy to move across the country in. I wore them in the flat. I wore them in the mountains. I wore them in the rocks. It was all good. Warm elk hunting in the snow, and nice. they're uninsulated, and my feet were great. The only problem I found with them is that the tops were low and I would get debris in my boot and I didn't want to wear gaiters because a lot of the times I'm already hot and it's already warm out and I don't want to have an extra layer on. So I went with the guides because they're a 10 inch boot Okay. and I didn't have any debris in my boot this year. That's the only reason (laughs) I can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah, Because we're some new boots actually. So I'll have to look those up. When, uh, when is uh, bird season out in Oregon? Uh, it starts in early October. So okay. right around deer season, that's when we can start chucker hunting. We can start grouse hunting in August. Oh, wow. And uh, quail hunting, I'm not sure. It's yeah. usually pretty early 
I think I would have to look. I don't actively go out and hunt quail. It's an yeah. opportunity bird, and I don't actually go out and actively hunt grouse, despite <laughs> everybody's confusion about why I don't. It's just, every year I say, I'm going to go out and hunt grouse this year, and then it comes around, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> is it, are you, is your season's basically done by the end of December then? Uh, chucker season and quail season, and chucker quail and waterfowl end in the end of january so oh, nice you got a pretty decent season then we get a pretty good run yeah that's feels nice. super quick yeah it opens up uh end of october so october 31st or last weekend in october and then january 10th so it's boom boom so basically first week in november and then uh, yeah. first weekend in december second weekend or second weekend in january yeah. it's usually like the hunting gets good <laughs> about mid-december yep <laughs> but the last three weeks it's too gets too hot in iowa yeah uh, yeah what are your what are your temperature ranges usually out there during season oh it's crazy most of the time it's too hot so we only get a half day hunt especially when i'm hunting chuckers on the east side it's a little warmer over there and it's a little colder in the winter except for chucker season for some reason we'll get up in the 70s yeah. And my dogs, it's just too hot to run my dogs when it gets like that. So yeah. is I'm it pretty carrying a ton of water. Yeah. Is it pretty humid out in Oregon? Not on the east side of the mountain. That's high okay. desert. So okay, it's nice over there. I like a nice, if I could run at 30, I would be perfect. Yeah. All day long. I love those temperatures right below freezing. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You also run with a hunt ready vest. Is that correct? I do. Tell us what you think about that, baby. I just picked that up last year and it was a game changer. Cause I had hunted. Yeah. How so? Yeah, what I were you running a, before a game hide? Like Nick? I had a Tenzing. <laughs> and mean. it was, it was a good vest. It was great. It had plenty of capacity for water and everything I wanted to store in it. But I didn't realize how much I was carrying on my shoulders and with my uh, hunt ready vest, it was absolutely put that on. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm free. This is Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. If you, what, uh, how's your, how do you have it set up? Like your uh, different pouches and where your water bottles and stuff are. Uh, I have uh, the regular size water bottles. Yep. Set right behind my shell shell rail on the right and my pouch on the left. And then I have uh the 32 ounce set for the dogs. Okay. Back on the bag. Uh, and I'm probably gonna get rid of the pouch and put another shell rail on. I really like my shell rail. Yeah. Do you carry much personal gear outside of your shells? Uh, no, I don't. I carry a lot of, I carry, well, not a lot, but the essentials to get my dog back to the car. If something happens to take care of my dog, if it gets into a porcupine, uh, and outside of that, I mean, my pouch ran a granola bar for most of the year (laughs) and I had a single granola bar in there that I finally ate on the last time. (laughs) It wasn't expired. Yeah, I don't know. I was hungry. I needed the energy. I was at the bottom of a canyon and had to climb all the way out. And I'm like, I'm eating this thing. Yeah. We uh one of the the new 
pouches that they have that rat roll. I don't know if you've I saw it. That. And uh, I'm super excited to try to, to have that this year just with uh, – I don't know if how big trapping is per se out in Oregon, um, but it is something here in Iowa. And uh, so we're carrying <clears> – <throat> you know, wire cutters and uh, an extra knife and just some other, you know, how you were saying, we don't have porcupines out here, um, but something to pull out, you know, if they get stuck with something, be able to pull it out and whatnot. And uh, I think that'll be a really nice uh, system to have set up. Have you, speaking of porcupines, have your dogs ever ran into one? So I'm going to knock on wood right now. (laughs) Since my GSP, I have not had a porcupine. He got a porcupine in the middle of the desert. And he comes back, face full of quills. I get him down. He lets me pull them all out and get them all taken care of. And the good thing, I didn't have GPS collars at that time, but I was running an electric collar. And the minute I let him up, he beelined right back for that porcupine. <laughs> he was going to kill it. Damn German dogs. Uh, and I zapped him and called him back. And But I had to hold him. We I had to leash him up to get him away from that porcupine. He, oh, that he porcupine hurt him, and he was going to kill it. This year, I had my brother's dog, which is another German dog. And her first year hunting, so she was nine months old, had never really been out much before. And I took her to Montana with me just to get her out in the field, let her get her puppiness out. And she goes on the most beautiful point. She pulled the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, I'm coming up on this bush. There's going to be some sharp tails coming out of this. Perfect riparian grasses. Nice little gully. Um, There's a sharp tail in here. I get up there and I get around the bush from her. She's on point, probably four feet off the bush. Hex is probably six feet off of her back in her and i'm coming around to kick this bush and i see this porcupine trying to climb up in it and i'm like oh my god i drop my gun i <laughs> run and dive over the bush and tackle her and as i'm tackling her i get my hand in hex's collar also oh. and then i'm like okay i have two dogs that really want in this bush and my gun's on the other side and i'm by myself <laughs> and i don't want to let go of one to get my uh lead out so i can get a cinch lead on them so i grab both of them in one hand and walk around grab my gun then i switch them back and i drag both these dogs up the hill and hex is pretty good she's going along she's like yeah there's something in there i know but sky was like no i have to go back and kill that you didn't kill it i need to get in there and rip this thing apart uh and she just she, I, it took me probably 10 minutes to get her calm down. We had gotten away from the bush and just, she'd gotten off of that. And I let her go and watched her run out in the field, took her up on the edge where we'd gotten into some huns and let her get back on those huns. And then I look up and Hex is on point. And I'm like, there's no way she's on point. We've been standing up here dicking around for like 10 minutes. She's not on point. And as soon as I start towards her, too sharp tail. Oh. <laughs> and you weren't even ready and i was not <coughs> ready that's how it goes though that's exactly how it goes yeah, we had uh, people probably have heard it but we, one of our years out in south dakota i think it was the first year we went second year yeah, it was with 
all the dogs. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know. Three years ago, maybe. Yeah. We <clears throat> went through this field. My boots were super soaked. I went through a freaking cattail slough that all of a sudden I'd have water over my boots, you know, and we get back through that and we're standing there. I don't know. We're probably standing there five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Just talking like, oh, yeah, my dogs, boots are dogs blah, are running blah, blah. around and nothing. We turn and take probably three steps to start walking back and a rooster flushes up literally right in front of us and not neither of us were ready and fired some shots and missed it but it's the way it goes it's like geez how did one well, out the dogs not freaking smell it yeah not one of them not one of them got on that bird so the wind had to be going perfect somewhere yeah it was crazy or it was so buried under the grass that none of the scent was coming up you know or oh wow gosh that was that was something that was, else. That was a rough year for us out there Eric. it was, it was a rough year <laughs> that's one we're not proud of i know <laughs> hey we've all had those yeah one of the, we debated not even ever going back to south dakota i think after that year yeah we did <laughs> but then we went back yeah yeah i was gotta go back oh yeah, yeah. had to redeem <laughs> ourselves, which we did so so you're uh so you're on your third uh, griffin, right? Yep. Um, have you? Do you train your own dogs? I do. I love that. Yeah. I mean, Tell people us about who get the... their dogs trained, that's great. That's good for them. But I think I get such a great attachment to them. Yeah. How did you? Uh, do you have a like a program you follow, or did you learn from just growing up with? You know, you grew up with labs. Uh, what transition to the pointers? Um, I mean, I joined my no- local NAVDA chapter and went out and trained and learned from those guys. And then it's just been a, not a trial and error, but it's more of adjusting to each dog. So my first Griff that I ever got, he is a great dog. Love him to death. He's good at hunting. He's getting a little old now. He's going a little senile so we have to be careful with him out in the we lost him this year because he got just out and got confused and ran the wrong direction so it took me a while to run and get him and then the chucker hills going up and over hills it takes a while uh but he was soft as marshmallow you couldn't talk to him rough he would just shut down so i had to change how i trained he was very he was very good at teaching me a different way because, like I said, my German short hair, he was just a out-of-the-box dog, great. Didn't really have to do much with him, and he was hard as nails. Uh, the dog I got from the pound, she's hard as nails. You could put her on any old-school training method, and she would just look at you and be like, okay, what do you want me to do now? And yeah. not shut down. My, you know, my newest one, who's five years old now, uh, she is kind of somewhere in between she's got her stubborn stubborn streaks oh but yeah she can be a little soft every once in a while uh she was probably by far the easiest to train nice and didn't have any soft or hard mouth issues she was great on that she was good at natural retriever and i took that from when she was a puppy and oh, nice. would just let her so to build drive i would let her get a chucker out of the pen for yep. like the first few weeks while she was 
really young and we would go for a walk with that chucker in her mouth and just let her parade with that chucker running around in her mouth. And so she was really easy on retrieving. Uh, Daphne was also easy on retrieving, but I, I love training my own dogs. I love that building that relationship. And by far though, I've had three girl dogs and two boy dogs uh, that I've trained for hunting. And I love my girls. They will do anything for me, any and yeah. everything for Tyler, me. Tyler says the same thing. Yeah, I've, I've I'm had, partial to them too. I've it's, had one female, and she was she was a great dog too. I think it's just yeah. I don't know what it is. I I just yeah. I I like the way she she interacts. Like I I'll be setting her up on a you know we're we're working blinds or uh, lining memories. And I'll set her up beside me and I'll, you know, want her just a little bit further this way or, you know, a little bit closer to me to line her up perfectly. And I'll give tap on my leg and give here and she'll just nudge right up against my leg and (laughs) rub up and look at my hand, like wait to see where it goes, you know, and she's a, she's a pretty smart little girl. Um, But I do love the one thing, you know, the male, I do love his, his energy. Like he just has, he has the go. She doesn't have as much go as he does, but she uses her head a little bit more than what he does. He'd, he'd be the one that would go through like a brick wall if he had to, I guess, but she wouldn't. She's a little softy. And Diesel, he's he's good. Uh, that's my black lab, but man, he can he can be a stubborn son of a bitch. <laughs> man, he can be stubborn. Even like in his old, he's, he's going to be eight. And still, there's times I'm like, dude, like, you know, you know, you're not supposed to do this. Like, what? Come on. Like, and it's just, oh, he always just wants to test me a little bit. Always test me. Exactly. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, you're, you're an old man. You're almost an old man. Like, stop it. <laughs> now he's getting to that grumpy old men stage. Yeah. I, just, <laughs> it, I, I actually was telling Tyler about him today. Like, um, I told him, like, my girls have a little table and we always make him eat dinner there and stuff. And I told him. I told him to sit, no, and he sat and didn't move. And the second I walk out of the room, all of a sudden I hear like a, he accidentally must have hit a fork and I heard something ding. And I come back out and there he is going after food. And I said, What did I say? Then he just sits down. And I'm like, <laughs> Acts like he didn't even do anything. And I'm like, Get over here. So then I make him go back and sit in his, and then I tell him to. I just tell him to kennel, which is it's not a kennel. It's just like a, it's like a place. And he goes in this little bed and he'll stay there and he won't move as long as he sees me. But the second I leave that room, he sneaks away. I'm like, ah. always testing me. Yep. So do you have a, you, you said uh, when you were training your uh, young dogs that you'd let them grab a chucker out of the cage. Do you have, do you raise your own birds? Uh. I was for a while okay. in between move. When we were in central Oregon, I had chuckers, I had pigeons, nice. I had everything and use those for training yeah. my dogs, other people's dogs. But now that we've transitioned over here, all my pigeons have kind of kind of lost them over the course of the last year and a half, almost two years. And I haven't gotten any new ones. And I 
trained with all the chuckers, so they're all gone and yeah, just waiting on the move before I start restocking. Yeah, yep. don't blame you there. That'd be hard to move a bunch of pigeons. <laughs> be moving a little too far to be homing pigeons. I don't think they'd find <laughs> refine the home. <laughs> so where do you look? What what's uh, a trip that you look most forward to doing? Like what state? Uh Honestly, I am just flatly in love with Montana. So my year, this trip to Montana this year started out with uh, me being there solo for a couple of days. So I was like, Montana has chuckers. I'm going to shoot down and see if I can find chuckers in Montana. So I spent a couple of days in the hills down there looking for chuckers in Montana. I found them. And I know where I'll go back and hunt them again. It was pretty cool. If you, want to, if you want to drop us some pins, we're fine with that. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. When you drive into the area, there's a sign that says you are now entering grizzly country. Grizzly bear oh. country. I feel like so I see that beware. sign in more than one place. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be a little bit more specific. And then on my transition up to uh, meet my first buddy that I was meeting up with, I stopped and hunted by myself again and just me and the two dogs walking out in the prairie and I'm looking at this spot over here and I'm like man it looks like there's birds there and we get about halfway there hex on point put up uh probably six sharp tail Isn't and then it we crazy spent... how spots will give you that feeling like, oh yeah oh man this is... I I know chucker country I can look at a spot and be like, there's going to be birds there. We should go there. Maybe I have a learning curve on uh, getting these prairie birds, but I think I'm getting it down now that I've been out there a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Because we got birds up that first time, and then we spent probably another three hours walking around that same area, getting up different cubbies. And we're the only people out there. There's nobody even close to us. And I don't think anybody would have looked at this spot when they were driving by and been like, oh, I'm going to stop here and go on. Uh, and then we moved on up, met my other buddy, had uh, dinner in Lewistown and went out with him and had a great time pheasant hunting just around there. And then we went on over and met up with my buddy, Ken, and then spent three days over there in the eastern part of Montana with Ken hunting sharp tails, pheasants, and that's a, another great story. We were hunting sharp tails. We'd had a great day pheasant hunting, and we'd seen a bunch of sharp tails and figured out that it was actually in block management. So we went back there that next day and walked it and put up multiple coveys. But I get to the end of this walk, and Hex is on point. I walk up, I flush. Sky has, once again, this is her first hunt, not a lot of exposure, and she's a little hard mouthed. So I drop a sharp tail, I grab her by the collar, I call Hex back, I send Hex for this uh, sharp tail, pick up the sharp tail. And she just goes out about 20 yards and then hooks left. I call her back and I'm like, no, come back. And I sent her out again. She does it again. The third time, I'm like, screw it. Sky saw it. I'm just going to send her for it. 
I send Sky. I look over. Hex is on point about 40 yards from where we got the first cubby up. And I'm like, I walk over there. Up come sharp tails. So she you was more some, interested in the live bird. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So always trust the dogs, right? Always trust the dogs. And, and she's done that more than me in Montana than anything. Because I'm like, no, there's not a bird there. It's right there. And she's like, nope, it's over here. And she, every year, at least twice, she has to retrain me to listen to the dog. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've been there many a times. It's like the dog takes off and I'm like, there's not a bird over there. You know, it's like they don't look like they're completely birdie or something. It's like, come on, let's go. Next thing you know, a rooster's getting up. It's like, ah. yeah, of course, I, of course I wouldn't listen. <laughs> and so we finished out that hunt over there, had a great time hanging out with my buddies. And then everybody was getting ready to go home. And I was like, well, I still have a few days. So I'm going to shoot back across the state, go hunt some huns. And went up, met up with another friend, Steve, and stayed at his house with him and his wife and went out and shot huns uh, on the Canadian border. I didn't realize Montana had that plethora of upland birds. I didn't either. I didn't know they had Sharpies out there and huns and pheasants and sage grouse. Man, they got everything. That's where I got my first sage grouse. Yeah, they're a wild looking bird. Yeah, yeah. How, talk about that. What was your first sage grouse experience? So we're going out to Wyoming this year for to go sage grouse hunting, and we're obviously looking super forward to it. But what brings back to your first sage grouse experience? Okay, uh, first sage grouse experience was great. It was the year that Montana was not very good for bird hunting. People were going, they were not getting into birds. And through uh, Google Maps and Onyx, I had pre-scouted some areas and mapped them out. Things that I had wanted to hunt, thinking this looks good. And then we got there and our local, Ken's nephew, was like, yeah, you guys should go hunt this area. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I have mapped out. And in that year, so when we're out in most of the times we were out there, if you have semi-good habitat, you find Sharpies. Yep. This year, when the bird numbers had taken a hard hit, you had to find the premium habitat. You had to have that nice foot and a half, uh, tall grass and a nice bowl and then you were going to get in the sharpies everybody we talked to in town they're like we haven't seen any birds or we've seen one we've seen two we were having flushes of 10 birds we were having flushes of 12 birds i swear we had a flush of 30 birds so if you ever get to hunt with ken mckean you're gonna just absolutely love it so for this big flush uh hex was only a year old at this time so she was pretty green we get out of the truck and didn't even make it 500 yards out of the truck and his dog goes on point and i'm looking at ken he's got his reading glasses on he's got his side by side broken open and he's doing something and i'm like hey ken uh your dog's on point and he's like what and he looks over and i was like he's like oh yeah cooper's on point 
And just about then birds start flushing and they're all flushing away from me. They're all flushing to the right of him going up this hill. And he never, never closes his gun. He just watches 30 sharp tail flush over the hill. Ugh. And I'm like, okay, Jeez. well, I guess we're not going to get those, are we? Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> but he's such a laid back guy. That's, I love hunting with that guy. He's the best. Uh, so you got Instagram? But- uh yeah. I was trying to look. I was trying to look him up. He does. Ken McKean. How do you spell that? Mc MC. <laughs> You're like it sounds. Like a Come on. Ian <laughs> McDonald's MC MC K E A N E A N. Got him. All right. Uh, yeah, he's a great guy to hunt with. He's amazing. He's got a really great sense of humor and can take a lot of harassing because yeah, we get it. That's always good. <laughs> uh, so we're out and we've hunted hard for three days before our other buddies from Michigan get there. And uh, our dogs are beat. So we put our dogs away. Mike's just rolled in with his dogs. Frank's rolled in with his dogs from Idaho. And we take Mike and me, Mike, Timmy, and Ken go out sage grouse hunting. Uh, and once again, it, this was not even anything that I had scouted out because I had nothing about sage grouse habitat. Uh, Andrew had given us a good location to go, especially in this hard year. And he was like, be careful, there's rattlesnakes. That'll come back into play. But we go out there and we get up our first group of probably six or so birds and everybody gets one and everybody's looking for the boomer, you know, and then we go down a little bit further and I'm standing on the edge of this uh, wash of a Creek. And I'm like, man, these birds were just here. So we've flushed one covey. They've flown on off and I'm standing there talking about how there's a covey just here and birds start taking off. There's probably 12, 15 birds in this covey and everybody's getting a shot and I'm watching, I'm just having a great time watching everybody get a good shot. And then this boomer gets up and Timmy, who's just absolutely obsessed with getting a boomer gets this bird and it drops on the other side of the Creek. And he's hollering about, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And Mike's dog, Tarna goes across the Creek grabs this bird and then she's on her way back but we don't we don't see her and mike's like where's tarna and i don't know and i go over and i look over the edge here she is on point with a bird in her mouth and then another one flushes i drop that bird and we all had a great grand time oh man you can't beat that yeah we walk on a little further and then decide okay it's time to head back Everybody might be getting a little tired. So we spin around as we make our turn and we're walking back across this little bald patch of nothing. There's nothing out there. I see Timmy jump. I see the dog jump. And then somebody shoots and I'm like, oh man, must be a snake. And I was trying to grab the dog that was running by me. So everybody's trying to grab dogs. And once they, they didn't even, he didn't even hit the snake the first time so i was like 
okay, we got all the dogs. You can kill the snake if you want to. And then we're like, oh, Tarna got hit. And Mike wasn't able to carry her out. And he was like, no, she'll be fine. She'll walk. And then she walked a little bit. And I'm like, no, we're just going to, I'm going to carry her. So I gave Ken my gun and I carried her. And then me and Ken switched back and forth, carrying this dog out. And it probably took us an hour to get out. We were probably a mile and a half, two miles in at this point. And Timmy helped a little bit. So we get about, oh, six, five, six hundred yards from the truck and i'm like okay i'm just gonna keep walking and i'm holding this dog and i'm walking and i'm like i can just make it and it's getting hot and i'm thirsty and i finally make it to the embankment and i lay the dog in the shade and we get her in the truck and after i get some water we spin around and get her to the bat she was fine after that but it was a a good hunt that had a horrible ending up but she was fine. We just stopped hunting for the day, went to the bar, and drank beer. Can't beat that. <laughs> That's how we ended that day. What's a what's a sage grouse like when it flushes? What's does there a certain sound or is it pretty distinct when it gets up? Oh, you're gonna know it. It's like a 747 getting up. Really? Yeah. Oh. I can't really describe the sound because I've only had a few flushes on them because I hunted them the one time. I was like, oh, yeah, I got mine and I haven't been back. I'm probably yeah. going to go back this year with some more friends who've never hunted them and take them out and hunt them. But, yeah, it was there was no mistaking what was getting up. It wasn't like, oh, this is a pheasant or, oh, this is a uh, sharp tail. It's like, this is a sage grouse <laughs> and it's getting up and it's really it's, more like a turkey taken off it seemed like oh yeah that's the second you're the second person i've heard say that it's like a miniature turkey trying to take <laughs> off yeah that's awesome i'm we're, i'm super I'm excited to go out. i can't wait fun. to to see our first one and chase a new bird and whatnot that's awesome how long a recovery do you remember it was for that that snake bite oh they took her in put her on uh an intravenous IV and just watch to make sure there was no uh, infection at the bite site. The nice. doctor really wasn't worried about the venom. And two days later, she was out. Oh, that's not huh. bad. Yeah, I was going to say, how long, how long would you have had before she would have possibly died from something like that? Um, I'm from what I know, it's more like if they're, if you're allergic, that's what gets you. If your dog's allergic, that's what gets okay. them. Otherwise, they tend to recover and go about their business. Really? That's nice. No idea. But, yeah, you talk about the plethora of birds that they have there. And that's not even count. That's just counting the birds that are game birds that they have seasons to hunt. So they have quail, too, that they don't want. So if you find quail populations, you can hunt them, too. Oh, wow. They don't want them? Yeah, they're not. It's, they're not their native birds. They're oh. California quail. Okay. <laughs> They just migrated over there. And I don't know how they got made their steak. Yeah, <laughs> I have yet to find them though. Yeah, that's crazy. So what's a uh, what's one of your favorite stories, hunting stories? You've told some great ones already, uh, <laughs> but give us one of your all time favorites that you can think of. Yeah, the Ken story is that that's one of my favorite ones when he let the birds just flush off to the side. That <laughs> was fun. Uh, I 
have a buddy Brody that actually I got him into hunting. So he, I was sitting at a local food truck beer spot. Uh, Melissa was over in the valley going to school, and I was all alone by myself. So I went to get some food for dinner and uh, took one of the dogs with me, took Daphne, and we're just sitting there hanging out, me and Daphne eating food, drinking beer. And this guy walks by with a puppy in his arm. And I was like, hey, nice baby Griff. And he's like, you know what that is? I'm like, yeah, got one sitting right here. We started talking and then he was like, yeah, I got this bird dog. I'm getting divorced and my wife didn't like hunting and she didn't like dogs. And so now I'm getting dogs and I'm thinking about hunting. I was like, let's go. So we started hunting. We started training together and he got another dog and then he bought more guns and (laughs) uh, his first chucker. So we had put up multiple chuckers and he hadn't hit any. And we had gone to our super secret honey hole and got him down there and birds are getting up off this hillside and I keep dropping birds off this hillside and he comes over and he's like wait let me get a shot let me get a shot so he gets up there and these birds just are holding tight and flushing in singles and he got one that flushed out beautifully and pop I got the whole thing I got the take the picture of him I got to take the picture of his dog doing the retrieve and I got everybody there together and that's one of my favorite hunts because he was just come from a situation where he had never hunted before and in a relationship where his wife didn't like hunting she was a vegan and once he got rid of that he was like oh i'm just gonna go hunt crazy and it sounds like he did was a vegan guns and (laughs) (laughs) yeah gun safe he went from no guns to gun safe and guns (laughs) oh that's awesome (laughs) do you still hunt with him today i do nice yeah nice that's awesome very cool he's one of my chucker hunting buddies yeah yeah we're gonna try chucker hunting someday yeah we are we we got (laughs) some people that we know that keep talking about it and it sounds treacherous like just the the landscape that you guys walk and i mean iowa we we have some I don't know, hillsides, but no, you know, big 5,000, you know, climbing 5,000 feet in a day or something like that. So I think that would be pretty interesting to bring a bottle of oxygen with us, but (laughs) we'll still survive. So uh, the reason why I hunt so steep is because that was close proximity to me and it was easy to get to. Yeah. There are places in Oregon that you can get and in Idaho that, I see guys walking on what is like flat ground. And I'm like, why am I not hunting chuckers there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't you, don't you think though? Like, so obviously you're probably hunting public land out there would be my guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times the birds are where the people probably aren't going to go normally. Like the plethora of birds, the number of birds. Right. Or yes. is that maybe different out there than it is kind of here? Nope. It's, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, Two years ago, I took my brother and my nephew. My nephew was living back in Wisconsin at the time, and he'd come out, and he was like, I want to go hunting. So me and my brother and my nephew pop over to the Oregon-Idaho border, and it's a fairly popular area, uh, especially with Boise being that close. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
And honestly, we got walked on every time. We got walked over every time we were out. Really? I'd look up and hear somebody's dog with a beep collar on. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And we are obviously in this area. So I just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And finally, we were like at this wilderness area. And I'm like, you know what? That looks like Chucker country. Let's walk back there. We walked uh, just a little ways off the road, two, 300 yards up over a little hill. Boom. Into Chuckers. Chuckers nice. sign everywhere. Chuckers calling. So this is late in the season. Early in the season, the birds will call and you can hear them and you can find them in that way. Late in the season, they've shut up. Everything is quiet and you're just relying on your dog and your eyeballs. These birds were in calling and nobody's going back there because it's wilderness and you can't ride a forest side by side in there or you can't drive in there. So everybody just is like, nope, I'm not going to hunt that. We had easy, quick hunting access and we got into so many birds. That's that awesome. If people hadn't pushed me out of the area, I probably would have never found. A little diamond Jeez. in the rough back there. Yeah. It can't beat it. That's what we found here too. You get off yeah. that little bit of the beaten path, you know, and you're going to find birds. Oh yeah. It just takes a do, little bit Do a little extra walking. Yeah, I have no problem walking. Yep. yep. <laughs> Good exercise. So, well, Eric, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. We had a ton of fun tonight. Uh, yes, thank you, sir. Lots of great stories, and uh, hopefully we can make it out to Oregon, Mon- definitely Montana. Holy smokes. Yeah. After talking to you, we're going to have to go out there sometime, and uh, maybe we'll meet up with you after you move out there for a hunt. Yep, keep, keep in touch, because uh, my motto is have dogs, we'll travel. Oh, yeah. I would go anywhere to hunt birds. Yeah. Absolutely. So awesome. Well, we appreciate it. You have a good night. Thanks, Eric. You too. Thank you. Yeah.